good morning. Um, as Nate said, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, uh, so turn, with your, turn your Bibles to that section of Scripture. Um, today, you're probably going to hear a lot of uh, illustrations related to construction and business, so I'm just going to set you up for that. But if you have ever done a major home remodeling, it is an emotional roller coaster of an experience. So me and my wife last year, in the middle of a pandemic, we decided now is the time to remodel our home. We had our home completely destroyed. You're standing in the middle of it. People would come and be like, what is going on to your house? There would be electrical wires hanging from the ceiling. There's a huge hole in the back of the home. No appliances. Everything's gutted. It looks like a disaster. And it was interesting because once it started raining, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And me and my wife were talking. Here's the thing. In the middle of that construction project, it's really kind of emotionally strange. You see all these things and it doesn't look complete. But we were fortunate to know the builder and to know the people that work for the builder. And we know that they had a really good plan. They had a good blueprint. So when we were in the middle of this project, we would often go pull out the blueprint. We're saying, okay, we can't see it now, but man, we have faith that this is going to get done correctly. And it's going to be awesome because the builder has amazing carpenters and trim carpenters who make every project look beautiful. And so there was faith. What in this project, so since I own this company, I was told, (laughs) I had more faith than other people, but I was told by our leadership team to just sit back and be a homeowner in this and experience our company's process, experience all the people that deliver these amazing, amazing projects that we do every single year. We do 40, 45 of these major home remodels a year. And, it's, and it was so good to experience that as a homeowner going through it because I felt that raw emotion of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And if, like I said, we didn't have that blueprint and we didn't know the quality of this company, it would be fearful. And so today, when the builder is doing their job and the people are working together, something amazing happens. Today, this is one of the reasons I'm going to draw this analogy of the church. And Paul uses this construction project, this building something, as his point today. And so one of the reasons Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians was to remind all who have trusted in Christ that we are united in him. That we are a new people, a new organization that he is building called the church. And as his church, we are called together not to be passive, but to be active in our faith, active in our gifts and ability that God has given us for the purpose of evangelizing the lost and building up the church, building up the one another. So this is the third and final sermon in our short sermon series on gospel fellowship. So we won't be able to unpack every verse today, but we're going to read, um, it's in its entirety, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, and then we'll pray. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does this mean? But he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is one who also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these illustrations and examples we get in your word, Lord, that help us see clearer what you are doing in building this church, this organization. Lord, would you help us today to kind of remove the scales of maybe expectations we've placed on the church, this idea that somehow we just go to a Sunday and contribute our tithes and go home and we're spectators, Lord, but help us to see that we are the church, that we are the ones that Christ has called and equipped to build up one another in love. And so would you help us, Lord, would you help us today to see clearly what you are saying to your church? Ultimately, for Christ's glory and for our good, we pray, amen. So here's the thing. We know the end of this building project that is called the church, right? We, we kind of have these ideas of what this is going to look like, where we're united with one another in just this beautiful place in eternity, worshiping the Lamb, seeing God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit in their perfect unity and harmony, and we'll have that perfect unity and harmony with one another. And so we kind of get to see what this building project looks like. But the problem we don't really see is what's going on right now, right? It's kind of like this idea that I talked about with our remodeling project. Sometimes when we think of the church, we come into it. It's not complete. It's like a partially done construction project. And if you didn't see the blueprints, you would not know what's happening. And it would look messy, Right? It would be like, oh my gosh, look at that hole there. Like, what's that hole doing there? And you, know, you don't see anything. Um, so the main, the main point of the sermon that we're going to be talking about today is God gives every single Christian a special job to do in his church until Jesus returns. So this is the main idea. God gives every single Christian a special job to do in his church until Jesus returns. And this work that he's given us each to do is never disconnected from the gospel. But we are empowered by the gospel. We see the clear emphasis 
on the gospel and what Paul is emphasizing in this letter of Ephesians. And he's laying this gospel narrative, which is the beginning of the parts of this letter. So when we were to read, if we were to read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, we'd start to see things like all people are by nature spiritually dead. You see that in Ephesians 2. But because of God's rich mercy, he saved sinners, choosing a people for his own to be redeemed and made holy in Christ by grace through faith alone. You'll see that when you're reading what Paul's kind of propping us up here. And then you see in Ephesians 3, Jesus unites Jews and Gentiles into one body, the church, as his new creation. There's something new. There's a new construction project God has in mind. It's called his church. And then you see in you see Christ's um, people are saved to new lives of holiness in thought, word, and deed. And then from our text that today, I want us to focus on three encouragements that came from Jesus in this gospel work we're called to. And that is point one, Jesus calls us into fellowship with him and each other. Jesus equips us with the grace we will need for our calling. And Jesus gives us each work to do in his church. And we're going to also see that we will see that Jesus wants to build his church through you. So the first point, Jesus calls us into fellowship with him and each other. Look at verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That's, he's speaking to you today. So what does this mean to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called? So what have you been called to? I wanted to do a little bit of work in this area and kind of help us illustrate what this calling is because the gospel then is shared and we are saved into a church, but this gospel demands something from us. So we are called to something. What does this mean called? It's to what? From what? From what? For who? And why are we called? Um... I have an illustration. I remember one time when I was uh, serving our company back in 2014, I was called um, into this opportunity to be the president and chairman of the board of the National Association of Remodeling Industry for Minnesota. And in that moment, I was a little bit petrified. I was like, I don't think I can do that. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm just a construction guy, and I can run our company, and everything's great. But when I ended up going a little bit further, and I said, okay, I'll talk to you, and we'll find out what this all entails, and what's the job description. And I recognized when I got there, they have an executive director that's there to make sure that I do, that they prepare everything. The agendas are prepared, the talking points are prepared, and then they have an onboarding process in which they're equipping me for the task. And what they really wanted me to do is they're wanting me to use my influence in the industry to draw other people into the association, and then to really help inspire people to increase the professionalism in the remodeling industry, which is the purpose why he asked me to do that position. And similarly, Jesus calls us from something that we're at, and he calls us into something greater. And not that he calls us to just remove ourselves from any of these other areas, and Paul gets to that a little bit later. He talks about, in, in Ephesians, he gets to parents, uh, husbands and wives. These are callings that God calls us to. He talks about business. He talks about masters and slaves or today bosses and employees. Like these things are callings from God to do the work of ministry in your family, in your spouse's relationship and in your job and in your career. And so this idea is something that we're called into. And so I want to take a little deeper look into this calling 
We see in Galatians 5 that we are called out of bondage into freedom. Galatians 5 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In 2 Peter, it talks about we are called out of corruption in the world and called to partake of the divine nature. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, we're called to fellowship with Jesus. So this calling, where are you called? You're called out of something into something. And into something is fellowship with Jesus, 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Like we're called to fellowship with Jesus. But we're also called into one body, the church. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful for it. We see in 1 Peter 2 that we're called to suffer in this life because Christ also suffered. In John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, he called, Jesus calls us to his body, the church, that we would be one with each other and with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in their perfect unity. You start to see God's blueprint for his great plan for the church. Like, that is it. That's, that's, his, that's his plan. Perfect fellowship with him and perfect fellowship with one another for eternity. So we are called out of the world and into Jesus' church. And church, this is a high calling. And Paul is reminding us today to remember this and to walk in a manner worthy of this high calling. This is a special place. This is a special calling. And it doesn't mean, like I said, that we just leave our other callings, but this is unique. This is something God's doing for all of eternity. It was actually a mystery for a while, Paul talks about. It was a mystery that was made known that both Jew and Greek get to come together in this new church, this new project that God has in mind is being built. But he doesn't just call us someplace to do a job. He also equips us for the job he's called us to do. And that leads us to our second point. Jesus equips us with the grace we will need for our calling. Drop down to verse 7 in your Bibles. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to every single Christian, all of you. Hold that. This grace is the help given to us by God because God desires us to have it. Not necessarily because of anything we have done or any skill set we have. It's just God chooses to give us grace. Like the association I was called to serve, I received help to do the job well. This grace is given by God as a help to do the job he's called you to do it well. We see this kind of teased out in Romans 12, and Paul talks about this same topic. It says, for by the grace given to me, this is Paul recognizing the grace to function in his calling as an apostle, okay? For by the grace of God given to me, I say to you, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, because he's not that big a deal. We're not that big a deal. It's grace that gives us, makes us a big deal. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members one to another. Look at this. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. There you go. The grace of God has been given to you in gifts. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, You see, grace was given to Paul, and grace is given to each one of us. This grace functions through gifts that are given to each one of us, and they are all different. They are different gifts. To Paul, grace was to be an apostle through the Spirit of God, to others, prophecy, to other services. So when you are working in the gifts God's giving you, you are inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's grace to you. It's not, don't make a big deal about yourself, because you're not that big of a deal. Right, The grace working through you is a big deal. God's special project is a big deal. One another is a big deal. Others are a big deal, but you're not. And so we don't make much of these gifts. 1 Peter 4 also kind of gets at this point. And he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied gifts or varied grace. And here you see two categories. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So you see these speaking gifts given to the church, to this construction project that God's building, and you see serving gifts given to this project that God's building. So what are these grace gifts? In our text, in Ephesians 4.11, these are uh, certain gifts. These are leadership gifts, organizational leadership gifts. And we see apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, and these aren't all the gifts, they're just simply the ones that are deployed for building a structure. So I'm a business owner, and I'm a CEO of our company, and I love to start new businesses. And I was thinking about this text to help illustrate this for us. If I'm going to start a new business, and I have all the capital that I need, I have the resources, and I've got an amazing product, here's what I would do. I would hire an amazing visionary CEO for the company. I would hire a CFO, a chief financial officer, who is amazing at making projections. I would hire a chief operating officer who is a master at process and organizational accountability. I would hire an HR director who is amazing at knowing people and can put the right people in the right seats and develop leadership in other people. I would hire a sales and marketing leader who is a company evangelist who goes out and loves just telling everybody about the company and the products. And if you were all, so you can't just have one of those. I mean, you can start a business with a visionary CEO, but it'll fail if you don't add these other components to this organization. So any organization, I love starting an organization. I love a plain piece of paper and an idea, and let's figure this out, and let's go forward in starting a business. So this is kind of what Jesus was doing here as the founding, he was the founding visionary of the church, okay? You guys know that, right? He, he prayed this into existence. He came and died for his church. He's the guy that gets the credit for the foundation of the church, for the origination of this idea. But as he knew, he had to back away, and he gave gifts to men, to, to function in these roles of leadership development. So you see that apostolic development. Scott preached a sermon on this, so I'm not going to re-preach it. You can go find it. But there's these different gifts that he's given for the foundation and the building up of this structure called the church and the ongoing maintenance that these leadership gifts have to help the church with. 
And now, what Jesus didn't want to happen is he never wanted these leaders in the church to do all the work. You know how crazy that would be if your company CEO had to do your job? And then you're like, well, I'm not going to do my job. I'm going to have the CFO come down and help me with this. And I'm going to have the operations guy who's responsible for everybody. I'm going to have him do all the work. Like, that would be crazy. And God would have never done that. Jesus would have never instructed us to do that. Now, there's work that we do in this starting up and the building up of the church. Um, but primarily in this text, these grace gifts from Jesus are for, are for building the church. These gifts function in our church as elders. There's a place where these gifts function, where Nate, Scott, myself function in these roles in our church as grace gifts to the church for the building up of the church. Um, but these gifts have a special job description. And I want us to see this really clearly. These gifts, job description from God in verse 12, are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's not to do all the work of ministry. And sometimes we get that wrong in our society. We are in this consumer-driven economy and culture, and we battle this all the time. We think, well, we just go pay our tithes, and someone else is doing evangelism. We're going to pay for the missionary to go do the missionary work. We're going to pay the pastors to have, be professional pastors to pastor people. Hey, this person's hurting over here. Can you stop loving your family and come and you know, care for them? When God's uniquely might have positioned you for that work. Right? And so it's not to do all the work of ministry. And so sometimes we get that wrong. Um, So my question to you is, what are you doing with your grace gifts? Where are they being deployed in the one another in our church? Are we faithfully stewarding the gifts God's given each one of us? Because guess what? Here's what I know and you know. All of you have been given a gift. You don't get to say I don't have a gift. You would call scripture a liar. Right? Unless, you, unless you're reading that different than I am, but it's saying each one of us have been given a gift. So where's your gift? What is your gift? What are you doing with that grace gift that God's given to you? And we're gonna, that leads us to our third point. Jesus gives each of us a special work to do in the church. And he sees, says that in Ephesians 4.11. For the work of ministry. To equip the saints, to equip every Christian to the work of ministry that they have been called to by Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. So there's this general idea. I want to kind of unpack what does this word work mean? And I obviously have a passion for vocation, for business, for working. Um, and so I've, I've been doing some study just on what does it mean? What's a good theology of work? We know that in the garden, God ceased from working. What was his work? He took a plain expanse of nothing and he created the most amazing planet and people we have ever experienced. And he rested from all his work. Right? There's people that create things that reflect God's glory and starting something new and creating and inventing a product that God's given us this responsibility for. And so we see this general work in the garden which reflects God's glory. And I, like I said, I get the privilege of working and reflecting God's glory and creation on my job. And I also get a special 
privilege of working in the church right here in my grace gift that's given to me by God. Um, and so I, I, I'm called to these different places to serve. So this work that Paul is talking about, though, is a special type of work other than the work that God commissioned humanity in the garden. So this work is different than that original work that still exists, by the way. Um, that work um, was and still is intended to reflect God in creation, to emulate him and to fulfill our calling. Not just in the church, in all of creation. That God, was origi- that God originally designed it that way. And he said, even in the garden, Genesis 1, he said, have dominion over the earth and all living creatures, which is why we see government and leadership and um, given by God with a calling to rule and have dominion over creation. Bring order to this thing. To be fruitful and multiply and fill and subdue the earth. We're called to have families and be grand- have grandchildren. And God intended in subduing the earth, he said, God intended mankind should make the resources of the earth useful for their own benefit. Develop it for agriculture, products, housing, craftsmanship, and beauty. Building and means of transportation, cities and inventions of all sort. What a great creation. And God gave, made us in his image and likeness and said, go keep doing, keep doing this, keep creating. Keep creating. And God had all these ideas when he planted. He said, now guys, go do this. Women, go do this. Go do this to my glory. So this is the work God created us to do in the world, and it is sadly a very neglected way to glorify God. But this is another sermon altogether, and I'm not going to preach that sermon at this time. We'll preach it a different time. Um, But know that God is working in and through our government, our businesses, through your parenting, through your homes, through everything. God is working through all these things for his glory And humans can find satisfaction in the work that God called us to do. So it's okay to feel pleasure on your job, right? You've heard it said if you you, uh, find a job you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. Why? Because God created you to do that work. You feel senses of God's pleasure in the work he's called you to do. And it's awesome, and it's okay. It's not just in the church you get to feel that special Oh man, God's, I feel, I feel God's pleasure in my work. It's in all of life. But this work that Paul is talking about is a bit different and it comes with a special little gift from God so we can do it well and without much effort. And so we see in the Old Testament when God had a special project to do, a special work, he would commission the Holy Spirit, would frequently empower people for this work. And this is fascinating how God did this. When God had a special project, outside of everything else he gave us grace to do, he empowered us. So think of, I'll just read this quickly. Numbers 27 says, he empowered Joshua with leadership, skill, and wisdom. The Holy Spirit, in 1 Samuel 11, the Holy Spirit came mightily upon Saul for battle against the enemy of Israel. We see in 1 Samuel 16, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David, um, And then this really cool illustration, which I personally love. Um, The Spirit of God filled Bezalel with skill as an architect and builder. He was a design-build guy. And I love this example because that's what our company does. So here, God had this special project in Ephesians, or in Exodus 35. Here's God's special project, to construct the tabernacle. 
Okay, and see, watch what God does in this special project. He gives a special grace. He gives the Holy Spirit to empower people. So I'll read this. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work, that special word that reflects God's work, that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezel, the son of Ur, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Now look at this. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skills and intelligence and knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach, to also teach both him and Obadiah, the son of Asharmach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them. Look at that. He didn't just fill Bob the builder. He filled them with skills to do every sort of work done by engraving or by designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine twine, twined linen or by a weaver, by all sorts of workmen and skilled designers. I'm, that would be the coolest job to be a part of. That would be an awesome crew to work with. All inspired and full of the Holy Spirit, building amazing things that God, to build God's special projects. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Doing something? It's an amazing feeling. If you've experienced it, you're like, you want that to continue. Well, these dudes and these women did this continually while they worked. And it was fascinating. But the Spirit doesn't just stop in the Old Testament. We see in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit continues this empowering, empowering people for special work. You see this where empowering of the, whole, the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is seen first and foremost and fully in, the, in, his, in Jesus' anointing and empowering Jesus the Messiah. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus at his baptism in Matthew 3. <clears throat> when Jesus entered into temptation in the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit was a special project. The Holy Spirit also empowered Jesus' disciples with various kinds of ministry. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in Acts 1. This Spirit was around at special work of forming the church, and the Spirit is around now as a helper in the special work of salvation, in the, in the building up of the body of Christ and the Spirit continues to empower God's people for special work of ministry until we see Christ face to face. This will continue. And this is what we have access to today. For Christians, for you at Cross of Grace, God calls us to Himself and to one another in the church that is near and dear to His heart, that Jesus bled for, that He died for, and that He's coming back for. And this should be the greatest place on earth to His people. Yes, is it a construction zone? Uh, yeah, it's going to look messy, but it's still his building. It's still his construction project. And we know that he's coming back for this beautiful bride. And that now we are called to build up one another, to use our gifts one another. You want to feel God's pleasure? Start deploying your gifts in the service of one another. 
And it's a wonderful, beautiful thing to work with the Holy Spirit in serving and building up the church. There's an example of when Scott was gone on his sabbatical, um, Darren stepped up because Nate had to take a heavier preaching load. And Darren's like, I got this. I'll, I'll lead worship. And I just watched him week after week, just faithfully getting ready and working. And I talked to him one day. I was like, Darren, thank you for serving. He goes, no, thank you. He goes, oh my gosh, you, I enjoy this. I feel God's pleasure in doing it. I, get, I actually get more out of this leading worship than it's the work. It's not a lot of work in it. And he was just telling, telling me how amazing God has blessed him and he feels his pleasure in work and it doesn't become work, it's fun. It's like, this is what I was created to do and I love it. Thank you for this opportunity to get to worship every Sunday. And even last week, we heard a story from Andrea and I asked her if I could repeat this story and if you guys were there, it was like a tearjerker. But there was a question of where are you experiencing God's kingdom in your life and she just articulated this beautiful story about how Kyla Spencer jumped into action when she was going through her trial and organized serving gifts to bring food to her. And, and then she would walk with her on these long walks. And it was just God's grace through, through Kyla serving a sister in the Lord. And then she talked about Debbie Beck spending hours on the phone just consoling her and caring for her. And it was just this grace gift that, that Debbie, if you know Debbie, you can call her and she's a great person to talk to. Maria Mathis, she referenced just being there as a wise woman that was able to speak and communicate through the grace gifts that they were given. And to Andrea, she was aware of God's kingdom at work in her life. And it brought me to tears listening to the story. And these are the places where God's called each one of us to deploy these grace gifts. Every saint is called, empowered, and given gifts for the work of ministry in God's special project at church. And we are all to use them in verse, like he says in verse 2, we hear this, with all humility. Use these gifts with all humility. Consider others more significant than yourself. You're not that big of a deal. And in gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is our inheritance together, church. Why would you, why would you mess that up? We're going to be in eternity in this thing. So don't bring division. <clears throat> so there's additional gifts. We just kind of hinted on some of those. I gave you some examples. So outside of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers, those are leadership building, building gifts that are meant to equip people, to put people in place, to work. Um, but there are other extremely valuable gifts, and they're given to all of us for this work. Some have multiple gifts. Some some can, and these can be found in different locations. We're not going to go into these because there's been many sermons preached on them. But Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, you see these gifts of service, serving gifts, which is a multitude. You saw that on display with Andrea's situation. These are serving gifts. You're like, I just want to bake you something. And that's God working through them and doing that. And they love that. And Andrea receives that and saying, oh my gosh, God's kingdom is near to me because of that amazing gift. So we see serving gifts, teaching gifts, Exhorting, exhortation, giving, leadership gifts, mercy gifts, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, distinguishing between tongues, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing, helps, administration. All these gifts are given to the church and with special power for the special project, and you all have them. So, 
all these grace gifts are given to you by Jesus for the work of ministry, you are called to build up Jesus' church. And God builds his church through you in the context of local church that you're connected to. And for you and I, it's right here at Cross of Grace. This is where we live out that manifestation of the Spirit in equipping and loving and serving one another. This is where it is. So look at this and the final conclusion here in, in verse 17. Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, what happens? It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. doesn't say when all pastors are doing a good job, the church grows. It's not what it says. It says when every one of you who have been called here to cross of grace to Christ's church, when you are doing the work he uniquely gifted you to do, the body of Christ grows up. So what is each part here? It's you. We are the parts. We are the parts. I am the part, a small part. You are the part, a bigger part. We are all part of the body that contribute to the growing and the building of the body of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So what keeps us from this amazing God-inspiring work? Maybe it's weights and sins that we read in Hebrews. Like maybe there's things that we consume our life with these good things. Maybe we go to the cabin every weekend because it's amazing. We see God's creation and maybe we fill our nights with activities that are just fun and enjoyable. And maybe we have a motorcycle and a snowmobile and maybe we have all kinds of fun toys that are not sin, but they're weights that keep us focused on other things. Maybe there's sins. Maybe there's entrapments. There's, we see in Galatians that there's caught in transgressions. There's things that we're caught from. Maybe we're walking in darkness and not in the light. There's all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's envy and strife. Maybe you're like envy of someone's gift. You're like, oh, I wish I had that. And if I had that, I could do that. And I'd be so great and people would notice me. Right? Maybe that. Maybe that's keeping you from it. Envy and strife. Maybe it's past hurts and someone like... Maybe you got shocked by the electrical cable hanging down from the construction project, and you're like, oh, man, that really hurt. Oh, I hate that person. I'm never going into that church again. That could happen. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's where you're at right now, and you're like, I'm not going to even go near that place because I got shocked last time when I got hurt by this, by this construction project. Like, you didn't know it was a construction project. I mean, it is. It's under construction. This is not perfect. And when we find, if you ever look for, you're looking for a perfect church, when you get there, it's not going to be perfect right? It won't be. You think, oh yeah, there's this perfect church out there, and if I just find it, then I'm going to be able to connect into my gifts. And the reality is that you know yourself. You're, you're not perfect. And you're going to make that church not perfect if it is, right? So find a place. Find a place here in this amazing work. I have been stuck on this one word, and it's the word joint. So let me re- let's reread this real quick. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. I'm like, what's the joint? Like, God, what's the, tell me what the joint is. The joint sounds cool. It's a connector of, of people, and it is. And a joint connects us together. 
from whom the whole body were joined and held together by every joint with a equipment, joins people together in the context of our church. Sunday gatherings, join us together. We are now together. And each, some of us are functioning, I'm functioning now in a grace gift God's given me for the church in this small little moment, right? Worship, people worship, teaching our kids and caring for our kids are operating in this grace gift that God's given them. People that welcomed you today. The one another's that take place in the context of being connected together. In the hall, when you're loving and praying and serving and encouraging one another, these are the grace, the context is connectivity. We have D groups right now that are connected. We're getting ready to launch this fall community groups back up again. And community groups, I want to just blow up this idea that it's a two-hour get-together and have meals, and it's awesome, and we sometimes have fun, sometimes it's draining. And, um, but get, forget that. Community life is more than two hours. It's more than an hour or two hours on Sunday morning. It's living all of life together. And it's a context, it's a connection. There are people that are connections to you. Community group leaders are connections where you can come together in one another that Nate preached about three, four weeks ago where we're able to get together and love and serve and care. This is limited. This time together where we're connected is limited to a few hours in the community center. But what about all week? What about all week? What about Andrea? She didn't just need every Sunday for someone to come and say, hey, can I bring you a meal today? She'd have like 10 meals and they'd get rotten by the end of the week. Right? You needed people every day to come and love and serve and care and speak words of encouragement and affirmation to build up the body of Christ, to build up her faith in Christ Jesus. So let me encourage you, don't neglect this moment when community groups come back together. This is the context that we are trying to create for you to connect and to serve one another as we grow together into this one day where we'll be with Christ and we'll know fully our Savior and we will be with one another in paradise where there is no more sin, there's no more tension in relationships, there's no more desire in other gifts, there's none of this stuff that sin brings, right? And we get, we get an opportunity right now to glimpse into that, to experience parts of it, not in its entirety. Leaders are going to fail. Pastors are going to fail. Your friend's going to fail. You're going to get shocked by the electrical wire, and it's going to hurt, and you're going to never want to go back again. But in faith, let's have faith and press into this. This is God's construction project. This is his church, and these are his people. These are who Christ died for, each other. Look to the left and look to the right. These are the people who are you going to be standing next to in eternity when we're worshiping the lamb who was slain, when we're worshiping our savior? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that this word helps illuminate our eyes, our vision of what you are doing in this grand time as this, in this time between Christ death and Christ returning where you are building this amazing organization called your church and you are putting each one of us together. You're calling each of us together out of the things of the world and into Christ and into this divine nature that we will be with for eternity, Lord. And as we work today, as we are doing the work you've called us to, Lord, we maybe need to repent for our selfishness and repent for things that we've been hurt by. And Lord, Help us have faith for this, though, but help us have faith for 
pressing in and taking some risks with these gifts and taking some risks and praying and asking for clarity, Lord, and, and practicing humility towards one another that we would grow in love and your church would grow up by what every part supplies. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.